Welcome to the Finance Cafe podcast, the business podcast for women entrepreneurs that breaks through the money taboo and explores what's behind the numbers. Join your hosts, Shannon Peston and Shauna Frederick every week as they dive into conversations about business and finance with women entrepreneurs and the experts that support them to answer all those questions you have about the numbers and maybe some you haven't even thought of yet. With their combined experience in business, finance, and accounting, Shannon and Shauna know that financial management is more than just understanding the numbers, but understanding how our unique lived experiences, knowledge, thoughts, and behaviors around money shape the financial decisions we make in our companies. Here on the Finance Cafe podcast, presented by Canada's Women Entrepreneurship Knowledge Hub, we're changing the way we talk about business and finance, empowering women entrepreneurs to see their business in a new light one conversation at a time. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Finance Cafe podcast. This has been such a special month for me as I have been in conversations with Indigenous women entrepreneurs from across Turtle Island. Our guest today is Anita Pollock from Race Rocks. Anita is an experienced entrepreneur and owner of several startup companies in diverse fields such as technology, clean energy, construction, and storage. Since co-founding Race Rocks in 2010, Anita has led the certified Indigenous company to be recognized as a leading high-tech firm delivering technology-enabled learning and digital training solutions to the defense and aerospace industries. As you'll hear, she's a natural leader who has been recognized within the technology sector with the Viatech Technology Leader of the Year in 2018, as well as Tech Company of the Year in 2017 and Employer of the Year in 2020. She is a driving force behind the company's diversity, inclusion, and equal opportunities culture and is taking this company to new heights. I can't wait for you to hear my conversation with Anita. Well, Anita, we couldn't be more excited to have you on our podcast today and just sharing your journey with us. I know that I have had the pleasure of following you through social media and learning about your story through some of the online media that I have found. And you're just out there doing such amazing things. So thank you so much for joining us today on the Finance Cafe podcast. Excellent. Thank you, Shannon. And I just want to say that I'm calling in from the traditional and unceded territories of the Logonkin, Songhees, and Esquimalt peoples, where I'm learning to understand my role in meaningful reconciliation. Oh, I love it so much. So let's just hear a little bit about the woman behind this amazing company. So Anita, tell us a little about yourself and Race Rocks. And if you could boil the work that you do down to one sentence, what would that sound like? Ooh, that's a tough question. But if I was to do Race Rocks in a one sentence pitch, it would be Race Rocks is a training and simulation company that delivers technology enabled learning to the aerospace and defense sectors. A sector that I know so little about. So I'm excited to learn more about that. But what motivated you to start this journey in entrepreneurship? And I guess the follow up to that would be what motivates you to continue to do the work that you're doing? Well, I started my career in government, and through my network, I was presented with an opportunity to work for a local tech startup. I closely worked with two entrepreneurs and got to see firsthand what it was like to have an autonomy over your career. During this time, my then-husband and business partner started a small land development company, which we worked nights and weekends to get up and running. 
Not only was I working two jobs, I was finishing off my CPA and raising our two-year-old daughter. At my performance review, I was promoted from accounts payable manager to assistant controller. This was a huge step forward in my career. The only negative response I received was that my performance review was that I was not spending more than 40 hours at work. Hmm. As a working mom, this question was on repeat as I drove home that night after picking up my daughter from daycare. Was I a mom or a businesswoman? The role I was in meant I couldn't reconcile being both. Maybe it was time for me to take a leap and just do my own thing and have autonomy over my own career. We started two businesses, one in land development and the other was in storage. To reconcile my role as mom and businesswoman, we converted one of the rooms in our office into a kid's playroom. If any of the children were not feeling well, they could come to work with us. Love that. (laughs) Thank you. This risk was so much worth the reward. I could have a family and still have a career the way I wanted it. What motivates me to continue this work is seeing how this changed my own opportunity. And I am motivated to help create and shape that experience for other women in all of businesses I'm a part of. Amazing. I so love that you brought both both sides of yourself, all of you. It's about bringing our holistic selves and our real lives. And we certainly know that as women, we do have more of those caregiver roles. And so amazing that you were like, hey, I'm doing this on my own. We're going to start these companies. We're going to figure out a way to have a family, have a business. And of course, I know being an entrepreneur myself, that this is a journey that is filled with highs and lows. And I know that you're now moved into Race Rocks, but let's talk about the fact that you've been pretty vulnerable in the past in in the sense that it hasn't always been easy. And I know there's a couple of times where you've actually almost lost the business. And it's hard kind of seeing that today in the success story that you're, I mean, you're one of the top 75 Canadian defense companies. You're trusted by some of Canada's biggest Navy and aerospace agencies. And you're really known for your unique combination of an experience and your approach as well as your values. But let's go back to some of these harder times. But let's talk about the struggle, because it's not always easy. And what were those hard times like? Definitely, Shannon, there was a lot of hard times. And a lot, the worst, some of the worst times were around words like bankruptcy and owing over a million dollars in private high interest debt. Mm. And what pulled me through some of those times were, was asking for help. Yeah. Surrounding myself with a trusted group of friends, peers, and allies who I could confide in and listen to their words of wisdom and advice with an open mind and heart. When times get tough, please remember you do not have to walk this journey alone. Another area that I was that I leaned into was transparency, bringing my team into the business. Don't keep your business problems close to your chest. Share them with your trusted team. This will help you to build trust and help them buy into the solutions that they help you to co-create. The other area, which I think is difficult for me and will always be something that I have to work on, is communication. As a leader, people look us to look up to us to have the answers. The truth is, we don't always know the right choice. By opening the communication to say, I made a mistake, and this is what I've learned, created a safe place for others to share and learn too. It's amazing when you open up space and we we acknowledge that we don't always have the answers. And I think that's one of the hardest parts about being an entrepreneur and being the face and the voice of the organization is that people expect you have it all. And a couple of things that I love that you just said, 
co-creation. I mean, bringing people into the solutions because our employees who are on the front lines, they're developing our products. They're looking at our market strategies. They know there's so much value to be unlocked through them. And also asking for help. I mean, my goodness, that can be really important uh, and hard to do. And yeah. I remember listening to, to one of your your TED Talks about bringing that vulnerable, authentic self and learning how to ask for help. Because like me, I think we both share this, this um, idea of perfectionism and try, and what it means to keep up appearances. And you and I have both have kind of gone through the school of hard knocks about how detrimental it can be when we're trying to keep up appearances. And now you you think about your journey, you think about kind of overcoming some of these hard times. You mentioned the, the, the reality that you were once facing a bankruptcy, this high interest debt. But it, I think it's even harder when you're, uh, you know, you're looked upon as a role model and then you start going into that successful arena and you kind of cross that line because it's even harder to keep up appearances when you're suddenly this award-winning entrepreneur, you become a role model for others. And others start to expect you to be a certain way. So how do you balance being in the spotlight, being this award-winning entrepreneur, being recognized as an Indigenous woman entrepreneur who's also changing the game, but balancing that with the spirit of vulnerability and the gift that vulnerability can bring? Definitely. And this is something that I love what you said. It's been around for a long time and not only in our business lives, but I've been an overachiever my entire life. And I learned from very young age that living a life of perfection is very easy to do when you make sure that everything looks perfect. That means that no one looks under the hood. Yeah. I took this into my professional career and I was successful with it to a point. The Western business world does not support vulnerability. But one of the areas that had led to success in my career was the relationships I formed. And you cannot have a relationship without trust and honesty. From this, I chose to move my leadership into a different direction, taking on a people-first approach. I wanted to co-create a culture where people felt safe, supported, and their voices heard. I shifted the way I showed up for my team, becoming more vulnerable, truthful, and loving. I shared things I didn't like about myself. I publicly called myself out on letting go of perfection and shared my failures with the hopes to inspire others to explore their vulnerabilities. And from this, everything got a little bit better. <laughs> it's so hard because I mean, we really, you know, when we're starting and actually I'm kind of like you, like I left school when I was 16 years old. I left home at a really young age and my coping mechanism was to be perfect at everything because as long as I could be perfect, I was controlling what was happening around me. But, you know, when you talk about under the hood, you lift that up and there's a lot of stuff there that we might not like about ourselves and that there's that, oh, that heaviness that comes with perfection um, and, and seeking perfection. And it's really hard for people to want to work with us because it's like they're, well, it's so hard to satisfy a perfectionist, a perfectionist mindset. So I love that you've, you know, found that self-love too, right? And you have to talk, you mentioned the word love. That's really important because at the root, I think of, of perfectionism is that fear of not being good enough. At least that's how it always sort of was for, for me. And when I shed that, I can totally appreciate that things do get better. At least the hard times get a little bit better. Hey, absolutely. 
So let's talk about money because money is definitely a complex subject and uh, bankers expect us to be perfect. They want to see great financial statements. There's a whole other level of perfection, perfectionism that comes when it when we're talking about money and business. But let's talk about access to capital for a moment. And what is that funding journey been like uh, for you to this point in growing the business? <laughs> well, as a technology services company, we have not had access to conventional financing. <laughs> yeah. So because of that, in the early years, we took on private high interest debt and we were advised to do this. I want to make clear also that those advisors are no longer working with us. Mm. Please do your due diligence when working with advisors. Have clear performance metrics you can measure laid out before moving forward and review the performance on a monthly cadence. We have grown by bootstrapping the business and our personal lives. As an entrepreneur, it is important to include your close family who is affected by the business success and failure so you are not fighting the battle alone. My children see Race Rocks as our third family member. Mm. Provides the financial means for our lives. And when times are hard, the company needs our emotional support. Currently, we are going into a Series A round. I have never raised money for a business, and this is where I've asked for help. And I have two experienced advisors walking this journey with me. So what is Series A? So you mentioned high interest private debt. Maybe can we just help our our listeners learn a little bit about this? Because we've got a lot of entrepreneurs who are in that technology space where, as you said, conventional financing is not available to you. So can you talk just a little bit more about what the private, like what that private debt was and how is that different from the Series A? Absolutely. So private debt is something that sits on your balance sheet and it's money that you owe back. And a lot of times you have a very short amount of time to pay that money back within a reasonable interest rate. And if you can't meet those commitments, that interest rate starts to increase because that risk of receiving that money back starts to to increase. Mm -hmm. In the earlier years, debt is something that we do take on in a business model. It's just be very careful of who you're working with. Um, A series A round is about giving up equity in the business. It's actually bringing in, I look at it as another business partner. It's someone that's going to help you take that company to the next level to help you succeed and help apply their experience in areas potentially that you don't have it to help seize that opportunity that's in front of you. I love it. So thank you for backing us up on that. So just kind of recapping. So when we're looking at debt, there's always a repayment. There's a consistent payment, which does put pressure on the cash flow of the organization because you have that commitment to repay that debt. So that's what the borrowers are really concerned about is you repaying them versus the equity where someone's coming into the company. You might be getting, well, you know, might be, you are giving up equity in the company. So shares in the company. So I guess also really important too, to find a business partner that's coming in that shares the same values as you do. Do you want to comment on that? Absolutely. We are out for a series A round right now. And being an Indigenous business, we are looking at first Indigenous portfolios. Also being a woman-led business, our second group of individuals we're talking to are women-led funds. It's super important to me to lead Race Rocks from a people-first approach. And the only way that I know that I can sustain and do that is as long as the team I'm working with shares those same values. 
Yeah, I think there's so much change in the space. And you know, we think about people who are coming in, giving equity into the company. Investors generally are concerned about profitability and how quickly that company is going to scale and basically how big their return is going to be on this. And there's a lot of language shifting, I feel, in this space, but the financial sector still has a lot to catch up on in terms of understanding that it's not always that rapid growth that is going to create that long-term sustainability for their portfolio even. So I think we're, I love that you're thinking about, you know, indigenous women led company, finding those values and investors that are going to be maybe more in it to see greater gains than just the financial gains. But it's, that is a tricky, that is a tricky one. So money, like our relationship with money, we do so many conversations on the finance cafe about our relationship with money, but help us understand even just for your own journey um, recognizing that each of us has a different lived experience around money and we might feel and behave differently in it. But how has your own money mindset played a role in how you've grown the business? Back to my earlier career, I was focused on profit and hitting goals at any cost. And as an entrepreneur, your financial position will always be a topic of conversation. And in the beginning years, there is not a lot of money to go around. With an education in finance, you would think that I have a good relationship with money, but there are times as an entrepreneur when you are pitching your business with a positive, optimistic lens, when the reality is you are having a hard time making ends meet. This is where a positive money mindset can keep you on track and not spiral you into a place of denial. I fell into the denial trap and convinced myself that if I focused on the future opportunity of the business, everything would work itself out. I call this the fake entrepreneurial life. We bankrupted one of our three businesses. And the lessons I took away was, had I focused on the money consistently and disciplined in the good times and the bad, especially the bad, we could have potentially avoided bankruptcy, saved our lives a lot of heartache, and wound that business down. The numbers don't lie. Goal setting is important and being able to measure your financial performance will help you to make better informed decisions around your business. Such wise words. And again, thank you for sharing your vulnerability and some of those lessons learned because I think for a lot of us, like what one of the things that we see at the Finance Cafe is that we fall so in love as women with our businesses because most of the times we've got a social impact. We're doing business for good and we're so in love with the vision that we have But if we don't embrace the numbers and if we don't commit to that financial discipline to see how our business makes money, how it's spending money, we'll never understand the full potential of it. But more than that, we won't be able to have that feeling of I've got control over where I'm taking this company. Like you are in the driver's seat when you start to understand the numbers of your company. And I really appreciate that you also said that, you know, as somebody who has a background in finance, Doing it is not the same as understanding how you engage with it. And our certainly our thoughts, our feelings about money are going to shape how we plan our finances, how we earn and how we save or how we invest and protect the money that is in our companies. And, you know, you also mentioned that profitability at all costs. And I think it's also important to to say we still need to think about running a profitable business, but turning that lens on what does that profit allow us to do for our families, for ourselves, our communities, and the wider uh, ecosystem or the wider community at large. So 
Thank you for, for sharing that. I want to turn the conversation around because one of the things that I love about what you're doing is your focus on organizational culture. And you are truly the driving force behind the company's diversity, inclusion, and a culture of equal opportunities. And what does that mean for you? And you know, how is that an important business decision as well? Definitely. I'm in the technology sector. And as we know, that's predominantly male-dominated. When I took over the leadership at Race Rocks, I was the only diverse person at the Race Rocks leadership table, a female and Indigenous. I like to link our company's values, honesty, collaboration, creativity, and learning to our DEI lens to help us make better business decisions. To foster creativity, I wanted to bring together individuals with different backgrounds, perspectives, and experiences. This diversity of thought fosters creativity and innovation as people approach problems and opportunities from various angles. The first chance I got to promote another female to the leadership table in a VP role, I took it. This started a domino effect inside the organization. In turn, she promoted promoted another female to a director role. And from that, another female was promoted to a lead role. Through advertising, a diverse company, and advertising is difficult for me, I would rather walk the walk and let the outcome speak for themselves. But by advertising our success and failures, we've attracted a representation at Race Rocks of multiple cultures. To enhance collaboration, our other another value, we have taken culture awareness training and other programs around the Indigenous values and beliefs as a company together. Our first steps to create an inclusive workplace where people employees feel safe, supported, and their voices heard. When individuals can bring their authentic selves to work without fear of discrimination, they are more likely to be motivated and productive. This, in turn, can lead to a better employee retention rates and reduce turnover costs. In 2022, Race Rocks won Employer of the Year at the Victoria Technology Awards. This award is very special to me because it was based on employee feedback. To support our learning value, as a training company grounded in instructional design, everyone at Race Rocks is a lifelong learner. A diverse team can better understand and connect with a diverse customer base. This understanding enables Race Rocks to develop products and services that resonate with a broader range of customers. And last but not least, our value honesty. This is my favorite value because it allows us to be vulnerable in saying some things are too big for us to change on our own. As an equitable company, Race Rocks is committed to promoting fairness, justice, and equal opportunities for all individuals within the organization, regardless of their backgrounds, identities, or characteristics. We are currently reviewing the gender pay gap and looking for associations to work with on discriminatory practices, biases, in systematic inequalities. Hmm. Uh, so much that I love in all of this. And I love how you brought all your values back to this as well. But I think it's so important that what, what you said about bringing in experts when we don't know, bringing in those experts around us to really help us put our the best foot forward and, and ensure that we're, we're paving the way to uh, more success and the things that are important to us. And, you know, and I love also what you said about the importance of promoting uh, women in the workforce. And that's what we see, right? We see a woman at the top who might bring in a director. And then we start getting through that first rung, that barrier of the first rung, where a lot of women, particularly in technology, 
uh, will get trapped at that entry level role without being intentional about our our hiring and our promoting and our retention strategies. You also brought up Indigenous, being an Indigenous women-led company. And you and I have talked about this uh, in our own little heart-to-hearts, but we both grew up in a generation that was you know, taught to hide our Métis, our Métis culture, our Métis heritage and identity. And so through Race Rocks, you've also been able to reclaim a lot. You've been on a journey. It's not just through Race Rocks. You've been on a personal journey as well. But how have you reclaimed your Indigenous roots? And how has that shaped you as a human being and, and even how it shapes your business? I would like, I always say that I'm on a lifelong journey to reclaiming my Métis heritage. I have a lot of learning and unlearning to do. Most of my career has been in the environment of the Western business world. Race Rocks was a traditional technology business and to transition to an indigenous technology business, I knew I needed help. We enrolled in the Canadian Council Aboriginal Businesses Progressive Aboriginal Relations Program at the committed level to learn how to bring indigenous values, beliefs into our culture and foster sustainable relationships with indigenous peoples businesses, and communities. At Race Rocks, we are focused on truth and reconciliation call to action number 92. We have two initiatives. The first one is develop opportunities for Indigenous training and employment in STEAM, which is science, technology, engineering, arts, and math. Indigenous people have a long history of innovation and traditional knowledge that has been passed down through generations. Their deep connection to the land, natural resources, and their community has fostered unique insights and innovative practices. Race Rocks is in the planning stage of our internship program to roll out in 2024. We named it Kishkeda, Machit, that means learn. The program will focus solely on attracting Indigenous peoples to careers in STEAM to grow capacity. The tech industry needs talent and our Indigenous communities need opportunities and meaningful careers. And our second initiative is creating opportunities and defense procurement for Indigenous businesses and helping the defense and aerospace industries get on board with their own learning and reconciliation journey. The 5% set-asides for Indigenous businesses announced by the federal government in 2019. This is 5% of all procurement should be spent on Indigenous businesses and peoples and communities. I sit on the Defense Industry Advisory Group to represent women-led and underrepresented groups and also at a sub-working group for Indigenous procurement that is focused on making the procurement process more accessible to Indigenous businesses by removing barriers and increasing awareness. Wow. So you're doing so much inside the organization to change not just employment opportunities, but also the whole system, which I think is so important. And if uh, we have Indigenous listeners on the call, there is the federal government has put aside 5% that they need to spend on Indigenous businesses. So I think that thank you for bringing that into light for us. Can I just put one other plug out there too? And if you want that first initial opportunity, there's an Indigenous business directory. And if you Google that under the federal government, you'll find that. Please take a look at the criteria. If you meet it, please sign up. That will give you access to lots of customers, not only within defense, but also within the industry. So We've had the chance to explore how you're bringing Indigenous values into the organization and your own uh, commitment to Indigenous, I'll say, economic reconciliation as well in this picture. 
But do you want to talk a little bit about how this journey has been for you, this process of reclaiming your your indigeneity, your Métis heritage? What has that personal journey felt like for you? Personally, I show up differently. Um, Before, like I said, I was an overachiever and I hit every goal at any cost. Now I take a lot of time to pause. I, before I walk into um, creating a new relationship, I do my research. I give the individual or the group the respect I believe they deserve that I do as much digging around that I can do to find out who they are, what their values are, and what their mandate is to ensure, first of all, that it aligns with where I'm going so that we can then have meaningful conversation. The pause that I mentioned is a lot of times I would just take something as soon as I saw it and I would just go, not worrying about what it impacted. From a people first approach, I know that most likely I should take that time to figure out how does that not just impact the business, but how does that impact the team that's working within the business, the communities that support the business, and then also other clients that we work with. And so for me, really, my leadership style has changed to a point where it used to be financially focused. And by reclaiming my heritage, it is created, I believe, a better, well-rounded human being, which then goes into the business world, making decisions that not only impact my business and the people there, but also the world around us. Thanks for sharing that, Anita. You know, I had the opportunity of interviewing Bobby Reset um, several times, and uh, Bobby was also on our show during this month, uh, which I, I loved my conversation with her. And one of the quotes that she said, for her, entrepreneurship is medicine. And that statement, and actually she had said that to me years ago, but I, and I really carried that statement with me in my own work. Um, is that a statement that resonates for you as well? And if so, how? Definitely. And just bringing up Bobby Rassat's name, for me, I think I talked a bit about role models. And Bobby Rassat, for me, is a role model. She's closed the series A round as an Indigenous female entrepreneur. And that gave me the hope that I could do it also. So I love back to advertising. I love it when people can share their successes and their failures. It really can help create that opportunity for us who are coming up behind them and the younger generations. The quote is beautiful. Entrepreneurship is medicine. Entrepreneurship presents numerous opportunities. Economic empowerment. Entrepreneurship provides an avenue for individuals to take control of their financial future and create their own economic opportunities. Autonomy, which I've spoke to already. Entrepreneurship offers individuals the flexibility to set their own schedules, pursue their own passions, and make autonomous decisions about their business. And against social impact, I was always super excited and grateful to have the opportunity and chance to lead a company. I did not know that I would ever lead a company that had social impact. And with Race Rocks, we are just slightly touching on social impact. And it's become something that's one of our now pillars that we are focused on. And this is where entrepreneurship allows us to address social social challenges through innovative business models. Yeah, and that is such a powerful source of healing as well. Just even when we think about how we make the world better and that notion of social impact. And again, so many women entrepreneurs that we come across, like that is at the core and even becoming even more ingrained as, as in terms of who we are as entrepreneurs and the businesses that we want to create. So you mentioned Bobby is a role model for you and no doubt you are a role model for many 
But I'd love to hear what your hope is for Indigenous women's entrepreneurship going forward. Well, I'd like to start with thanking the Finance Cafe and you, Shannon, for giving me this opportunity to talk, but also for supporting Indigenous female entrepreneurs. My hope is that we'll all learn to be a little bit more vulnerable. We will ask for help and create a network that will help you navigate the business world in the good times and most importantly, the bad. Allyship. Lift other women up. If you are in a room and see an opportunity for another female leader, shout them out. Together, we will change the representation of females in the business world and create opportunity for the younger generations. Oh, younger generations and all those who are going to come up behind us. I can't wait to see what the future looks like for Indigenous women going forward. Definitely. And back to our money mindset conversation we had earlier. Stay consistent and disciplined. (laughs) Know your numbers and you will have autonomy over your business career. Thank you for bringing it back to those numbers. I appreciate it. So we (laughs) talked about your hope for Indigenous women entrepreneurs. Anita, I'm going to close with what is one hope that you have for Race Rocks going forward? That we can scale to 250 people and still have a culture based on Indigenous values and beliefs, and that we are always a people-first company, and we are, in the future, one of many. I love that your focus still is on people first. And so sometimes we'll ask that question and it could be about profits. It could be whatever you want it to be, but you bringing it back to people center just shows the commitment that you have to your leadership, to what you want this company to look like. And Anita, I can't wait to see what the future holds for you and for Race Rocks. And so from the bottom of our hearts, thank you so much for taking the time today to share a little bit about your journey and give some wise advice to our listeners and being that voice for Indigenous women so that they can see it to be it. And so thank you, Anita, so much for joining us. And we wish you all the continued success. It was my honor and my pleasure. Thank you, Shannon. Thank you for listening to the Finance Cafe podcast. If you enjoyed this podcast, please let us know by leaving a rating and review wherever you listen to your podcast. And to ensure you never miss a new episode, make sure you subscribe to the show. If you'd like to stay connected with us, you can find us on social at the Finance Cafe official or on our website at thefinancecafe.ca. See you again next week for another episode of the Finance Cafe podcast.